to Trinity University's Learning Together podcast series. I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, your host. I work at Texas Public Radio in San Antonio, where we sometimes characterize what NPR does as the nation's biggest continuing education course. That's why I'm excited to be introducing this series here, featuring faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who have established themselves as experts in their fields. As part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni, this podcast series includes discussions and presentations on a variety of subjects. And today, you'll enjoy a conversation with Marion Lee, class of 78, CEO of Lee and Associates, on individual expectations and understanding of commitment in serving nonprofit boards. Logan Ramirez, class of 01, incoming president of the San Antonio Alumni Chapter, will engage Marion Lee in the conversation. They'll discuss the process one is expected to be familiar with when invited to join a board and what four critical questions to ask the organization before you sign on. Marion, first, thanks for joining me on this podcast episode. It's nice to meet you because I've heard your name around uh, campus, and so it's just nice to finally... Yeah, in, in, in positive light, in positive light, mind you. Well, Logan, the opportunity to be able to have this conversation, particularly this conversation within Trinity University and particularly within the subjects of alumni boards is, I think, incredibly important. So I'm, I'm very honored to have the opportunity to meet you. Um, I'm excited about your career track as far as the alumni uh, board is concerned. Um, you were kind of telling me a little bit about that. It, it, this is a very thoughtful process for you. You have decided to take a role and to do it for a very specific reason. And I think a lot of your reasons, if you wouldn't mind sharing that, probably are going to um, illustrate what we're talking about here. Yeah, you bet. I'd uh, love to. So so you know, I graduated Trinity 2001, computer science major. I think like a lot of students stepped away from university for a while. Um, and then, and then hit this, uh, point of, of desire to give back to the community and, and asked how to get back involved and, and did, and that was probably 12 years ago. So joined the local board, mostly out of self-interest of being connected to events and, and wanting to meet people. And I had a couple of friends who came with me. I think it was, a res- it was, it was a response to the, um, the email goes out every year, say, hey, calling for board members, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and then, and then over time. Uh, of course, developed friendships and and then and then developed an interest in in um, leading um, the board for for kind of three main reasons. Uh, the first is a genuine affinity for Trinity. I just I, I love the university and um, so wanted to be connected to it. The second is solving problems on the board. There was just could we keep running into things and I kept thinking, man, I think I can help solve that. And then the third is is uh, ties to my family. So as I continue to have children, which we have four now being involved in events that, that married going out somewhere with Trinity and my family uh, became super interesting to me. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that there is a kind of an underserved market for, for people like me, all who have young children and want to do things either on campus or affiliated with the campus. So anyway, all that drove me toward it. Well, and that's the exciting thing about board leadership, uh, particularly, and, and before we really get into this, let me say, I think we are uh, extremely blessed for want of a better term in this country because we have an amazing group of people who can serve on boards that sort of bigger generationally than we have ever seen before but also have very very different desires about board leadership and the dialogue that i have been in this business uh, slightly over 30 years 
Um, the dialogue that was happening in, in my parents' generation, in my generation, was not the same dialogue that we need mm. to be having right now. And the dialogue back then was, what can you do for the nonprofit? Mm. The dialogue we need to be having now is not only what can you do for the nonprofit. And we let me say again, generationally, we have an amazing group of people, young people who want to give back to their universities, but they also want something in return. And if we don't start having an honest dialogue about what their expectations should be, what their desires are, how they feel fulfilled, we are going to fail them. We are going to fall short, and then we are going to turn off a huge group of people from board leadership. And, and that is really sort of a change in how I want to be presenting board leadership mm-hmm. to uh people of all ages, but particularly a, a generation that is in their 30s and 40s and, and coming into their 20s because they need something in return, and we need to be talking about that. Do you have thoughts then on what that what is that return? What it means? Self-fulfillment. Right. So for me, I think that's definitely true. You think that's scalable? Everybody yes. has that same, same drive? Do you think all leaders? Well, yes, I think it is, particularly if we start with transparency. Hmm. Uh, I think critically important is that we have, for a very long time, had people who have followed their parents into board leadership because that's what we all did. And it was all expected of us. It was part of community service. And it never once occurred to any of us to say, but what do I want out of this? Right. We have a generation of young people who want something out of it. And it's okay to begin to have the conversation saying, what can we do to fulfill your needs? And, and it starts with being transparent with what the expectations are and with, for want of a better term, um, actually, your vice president of advancement, Mike Bacon, coined this term. It's a matter of dating instead of instantly jumping into a relationship with a nonprofit. You need to get to know them. You need to be cultivated just as you would. Mm. If you were looking for a job, because this is a long-term commitment. And so you should be expecting certain levels of cultivation Mm -hmm. and integration into the organization before you finally make the commitment that you're going to join. So let's let's play with that. If I'm I'm, uh, not, if I'm thinking about joining the local board, how would you encourage someone to date the Trinity chapter board? Well, you kind of did it. You responded to a call for people to get involved, and you came to an event, right? Right. Okay. And you met people. Mm-hmm. And what was the next step? Well, that, it, that night I signed up. There was no dating period. So okay. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was a call for a board. I, I, they raised my I raised my hand. There was like seven of us there. Each of us gave a two-minute speech, and boom, I, we were in. Okay. So so I love this idea of what, what would it look like to have done that differently. I would have liked to have waved a magic wand and said, Logan, Please sign up here if you're interested. Hmm. And then you would have been contacted by somebody who is on the current board, Hmm. maybe even the board chair, Hmm. okay? And they would have said, let's go have coffee and let's visit. Let's talk about what the alumni boards are doing. Um, Let's talk about the challenges. Hmm. Let's talk about where we're strong. Let's talk about where we're not so strong. This is where we need help and this is where we need the talent. And then maybe the next meeting would have been, why don't you come to a board meeting? Why don't you actually see what happens in a board meeting? And by the way, here's a job description, and here's what the commitments are financially, with your time, in every way. And then you get to go home, talk to your wife, 
look at your family, look at your job, look at everything else you're doing and decide if you want to take on another job that requires a certain amount of your talent Mm -hmm. and a certain amount of your treasure and a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. So how much time do you think that you would invest into this alumni board? You asking me personally, or is yeah. that like a general question? Yeah. Yes. Well, as much as it takes to get the job done. Um, well, did yeah. you just hear yourself? As much as it takes to get done, right. and yet you've got a home mm-hmm. and family oh, yeah. and a job. So where does that really fit in? Well, uh, well, my point is, it, for me, it changes because one, again, I'm wired away. I'm very competitive in my nature. <laughs> top five, my, my strengths finders. You know, so so uh, you know, pushing as far as it takes to get change then is important to me. But but that's not shared among uh, people I I visit my friends and other, you know their their strengths, so um, so I certainly don't have an expectation for volunteers that they have the same mentality as much as it takes to get done. So so realistically, the the time commitment that we do deal with is we have you know one roughly one hour meeting um, every other month during the school year, one big planning meeting in the summer session. So we're looking at you know eight maybe ten hours there total for the whole year. And then the expectation is everybody on the board, everybody who calls themselves a board member to run at least one event mm-hmm. every year. And again, that can be varying in time depending how big the event, but the, the event itself and, and any pre-planning that goes into it. So, I mean, all in all, I, I think a, a, a low number would be 12 to 15 hours a year, but there's opportunity to, to put in 40 hours, 50, I mean, as much as you want. Certainly if you show up at all the events, exactly. which is an expectation right. of the university, they'd love to see you there. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of pre-planning, particularly if you're talking about events, you're talking about a lot of pre-planning. Mm-hmm. And you need to know what the parameters are. That's one of the things we want to have as a conversation. Mm-hmm. What should you as a board member be asking for from the university or any other nonprofit? Right. You need to know how is the organization structured. You want to see what the bylaws of the organization mm-hmm. are. You want to see what the job description is. You want to see what the financial commitment is and what the current financial situation of the organization is so that you have a pretty good picture of what you're getting yourself into. Not so much with the alumni board, but with other nonprofits. One of the first questions that I'm beginning to ask is, do you have a strategic plan? Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about you get together in the summer for a planning meeting. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder, is there a bigger dialogue? that right. should be happening as far as strategic planning for the alumni board. This is where we are, and this is where we're going to be here next year, but where do we want to be three years from now? And I would hope that as an incoming board person, either from the university or another nonprofit, you're asking, can I see that plan? Mm-hmm. Because it's going to tell you a lot right up front. The big surprise that happens in other nonprofits, well, actually in universities too, is, oh, capital campaign i see you have a capital campaign slated for 2020 oh uh hmm you're going to be expecting us to come up with a significant amount of money individually as members of the alumni board or any other board that's associated with the university you need to know you need to plan for it and you need to decide whether or not you want to participate and moreover you know it makes me so sad because every day in my consulting business i get phone calls from nonprofit organizations to tell me how their boards are not functioning. Mm. I rarely get one that tells me how the board is functioning wonderfully. (laughs) And always the dialogue is, did you say, did you tell them what you needed from them when you brought Mm. them on? And the answer is almost inevitably no. Why? Mm. Well, we were afraid they wouldn't join if they knew. Right. 
well, so now that they joined and you didn't tell them and they're not doing what you wanted them to do, you're disappointed in them. Mm-hmm. And the frustration cycle begins. The board member feels inadequate. The organization and the staff feel let down and nobody actually does anything about it. So my point is, let's do it before mm-hmm. we get there. So you know, I'm hearing that absolutely. But the fact that boards do that, I think also speaks to um, a, a, a low pool of talent, though in your opening, mm. uh, though in your opening, you you're very clear that you believe there is a, a maybe better pool of talent than there's ever been. So, so I tend to think the same that there's there is a good pool of talent, um, and I really again your 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 dating analogy resonates with me because we we've been talking about it from the incoming potential board member from the university side. They're also that's what I'm hearing you say now. They also they have a responsibility in their dating portion to to uh, to do intelligent recruiting and of course transparent recruitment recruitment. So having that conversation early on um, in my head would would thin out people. They're probably right. Hey, they they're afraid if I if they say that that person's not going to join. That's probably a justified fear from I would assume experience. They've run into that before. Um, or, you know, I guess lots of reasons possibly um, if they're not being transparent. But but um, but where I what I like about that too though is is I agree. Do it early and take a thin uh, incoming class, a, a low count. Like I'm a, I'm a person. I'd rather have three guys that work hard than yes. ten that don't. Yeah. So, but but um, so so I guess let's just stop there. So then, if if that's the result, if they are transparent or whatever, and and it's avoid that long draw cycle of frustration, start it early, and they do get less people. What? How do they? How does a board then work effectively with smaller numbers and with a long term trajectory to grow? Well, I'll always be the first one to tell you. Give me five impassioned hardworking people and you can move the world. Yeah. I truly believe that. And because I believe that, I would, like you, rather have a, a lean, mean fighting machine group of people who are willing to work very hard because here's what I truly believe. You get those people on board and you get them working in a governance structure and in an appropriate way. They will bring more people mm-hmm. like them on board. And we will stop the conversations that happen in the grocery stores where somebody says, oh, I'm on this board, and would you like to join? Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, that right. would be great. Right. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in the middle of the board meeting, <laughs> and you have no more idea what you've done than fly to the moon. Right. People will begin to be more thoughtful in their process mm-hmm. and less regretful in what they have taken. Mm-hmm. And and I think you've got um, – a way to really incubate that here at Trinity. I, I think you've been doing it for a long time, but the alumni board here gives new board members a chance to try it out in a safe environment where they can come in and they learn a lot. They learn leadership skills. They leave structural skills. They learn uh, a lot about themselves, mm-hmm. frankly, about what they're really willing to do and what they're really not willing to do. And um, I guess I think there's a place for everybody on a board. It may not all be 100% the same. Mm. I mean, you're... you're well, it should, shouldn't be. I no, mean, it shouldn't be. On a team. And, and I think we also have to have the dialogue about what do we need and who can mm. fulfill that. And just because somebody's not doing it the same way you're doing it uh-huh. doesn't mean that they're not valuable. We've got to find a place for them. But we also have to have that dialogue on it's not working mm. and it's time to go. And that's right. a self-dialogue. That's that. That's looking at yourself and saying, I'm not really happy here. I'm not really mm-hmm. enjoying this. And that's the organization saying, it's not really working. 
But again, to go back to the alumni board gives a um, somebody a chance to see how it should be done and to, to stand back and say, that's what worked or that didn't work. Mm. And I have a solution for that. And so I, I'm really glad that the focus here is on this kind of, of uh, conversation and bringing people like you in. But let's go back and, and talk a little bit about what you said. Uh, you think there's a, a kind of a thin pool. I have to say I don't agree with you. I think we have an amazing group of people today, and I'm going to say late 20s, 30s, and 40s, who want to give back in community mm-hmm. service in a way in which we haven't seen in a while. It's it, it's meaningful to them. It not only uh, demonstrates their own productivity, mm-hmm. but it makes they recognize that it makes their lives fulfilled. And here's the part of the dialogue is, what do they want? So we've been talking about expectations mm-hmm. and everything, but what do they need? Do they need a sense of mission? Do they mm-hmm. need a sense of purpose? Right. Do they need to feel that they are um, actually moving the marker mm-hmm. forward? Because... If, Frankly, and I've believed this for a very long time, if you don't have a board member who's engaged, who feels like their talent and their intelligence is being used, if they just feel like they're sitting in meetings and being talked at and writing checks, Mm. they're not really there. They're not really engaged. And they will probably be looking at the door sooner than you want them to. But if you engage them and you say, what do you want out of this? Mm. What do you want to learn? What do you want to feel? What do you want to know? then you're going to begin to get a board member who's not only going to be a board member, but is going to be involved with the organization for life. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today. And we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Marion Lee and Logan Ramirez. I do agree there's a, a big pool of talent at large, but not, um, I guess it, in my head, it's one in the same. There's a, there's a thin pool of people in that today, if I wanted to go tap into the San Antonio group, it's not like I have a line of people so in, in, in that I can just think of. And maybe other people do, um, but I'm not in that dialogue yet or right now. So from my perspective, and again, and I, I think earlier, I, I also said, I mean, I agree there is a big pool. I think they're out there. So so I, to, to stop on that one, how, how then do you go and find them? I think the pool is out there. And I think there is a big pool of talent, but if, if it's not visible, then it, then, then uh, it looks, uh, or I guess metaphorically, it's the same as a small pool because uh, you can't see it. So that's that disconnect between getting the people and finding the pool of big talent, which we agree exists. I agree. Mm-hmm. With, I agree. There's mm-hmm. a big pool of talent, but if the step, if the step first is getting to that pool, then, then metaphorically, it's still a small pool. I don't have them yet. So, so there's really two questions here. It's right. how do you find them? And to me, it's how do you attract them? Right. And so I think it's all about messaging. Hmm. I think too often and for too long, nonprofit organizations, including universities, have had the dialogue about what do I want? What do we need? And I'm going to go back, circling back to what I've said. What do we need? What do we need? What do we need? Right. What can you do for me? Right. I think we need to start saying, what can we do for you? 
come and join mm-hmm. the alumni board. This is what you're going to learn here. This is what you're going to come to understand. It's not just mm-hmm. about Trinity mm-hmm. University. It's about this is how we're, and in fact, this whole alumni series that is being put together is, uh, I think, uh, it, it, it's just a real change and a real refreshing look at how this university continues to give to somebody after they have graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing on everybody's mind is you've graduated when you can start giving to mm-hmm. the school. I mean, <laughs> that, that's usually where we look at it. Through this um, series that they did last year, that they're doing this year, what you're saying is we're here for you. We want to have this continuing education process, and and we need you to. We want you to come back so we can help address issues that you are having in your young professional life or right. old professional life, whatever it is. So I think it's about messaging, Logan. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to be talking about, and particularly generationally, mm-hmm. we're talking to a group of people who really care about what they're going to mm-hmm. get. So we have to message to mm-hmm. them that way. Okay. And um, again, not to be argumentative with you, but when I was uh, coming into Trinity University, I would, my grades were looked at, mm-hmm. you know, 1975. What are your grades? You know, will they let you in or not? Yeah. Nobody asked about my community service. Right. Nobody asked if I volunteered. Nobody right. cared right. whether I did that. Now that is a dialogue mm-hmm. that is determining whether or not you're going to get into MIT or not. Yeah, that's right. You may be really bright, but you live in a box. And you never come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and universities <laughs> and colleges are looking for a human being mm-hmm. who is more interested in the world outside than they are necessarily just I- intellectually inside. So uh, it has changed generationally mm-hmm. on, on, you know, than, than what was called for. We were just all expected to do it before mm-hmm. as young adults. Now mm-hmm. it's a driving need because we're teaching them it's a driving mm-hmm. need. So it doesn't really answer your question about how do you find them. The university has its ways of messaging through websites mm-hmm. and everything, everything else. But then this podcast, you know, yeah. you're out there. We know you're out there. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, so finding them, we're talking about messaging. So I made a note here. I mean, we got to get the message right first. And that ties back to something you said earlier that what is the strategic plan, right? So, so from the university level, you have a strategic plan. You put that in place, that trickles down into a board initiative. The board has to have its message right. And then I really like this idea of dating and courtship. Mm-hmm. And so so going out then and, and communicating that message clearly um, on a on a one-on-one level. Like, you know, hey, let's go have coffee mm-hmm. and here's what's going on. And I think that's the path to getting quality people. Um, for, you know, the, the scale of that is slower but and deliberate, but you get the right people and now we're down to um, – now we're down to an effective board. I guess you build that up. And so it's self-perpetuating. It should be, right. Absolutely. If it becomes self-fulfilling, you know, when I talk to people, I advocate joining the board and coming to board events because it is enjoyable, because it's personally enjoyable. So absolutely, it's going to continue to run itself forward. So then how do you then also combat, you know, the, I always think about the Pareto principle and 80-20 rule, <laughs> right? So, you know, any any board, the reason why so much frustration exists um, at large is because everybody who sat on any board who's in the 20% is frustrated that the other 80 isn't doing anything. Um, so from your experience, how do you combat that mentality and pair it with what's the real, ex- I mean, it's not going to be a hundred, but how far can you move 20? And you're, have you seen 30, 40, 50% boards? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, so, so those two kind of questions. Are they rare? You, yes. Yeah, right. Do you see situations where there's a 15 to 25 member board and actually everybody is active? Yeah, wow. you do. It's awesome. But they're very rare. Right. And it's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not something that is, uh, gosh, let's just get a body in there to fill the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very thoughtful process of onboarding individuals to come into a nonprofit right. and then giving them a job. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. Nobody wants to be bored. Nobody wants to feel unappreciated or unengaged. And uh, I think that's what happens. The strong leaders, you're a strong leader, rise to the surface and tend to, um, oh, I don't know, let, let's just say sort of overtake the quieter members. Right. And, and where you see it working is where you see leadership thoughtfully look around the room and say, let me go have a conversation mm-hmm. with you right. and find out what it is that works for you. Exactly. Because I would really like you to be mm-hmm. in charge of this, or I would like mm-hmm. you to help be in charge of this. And those are the boards where you see active, engaged participation by the full board instead of the 80-20. Mm-hmm. Granted. I mean, the old joke used to be if you had 15 board members, five worked, five of them looked interested, and the other five were gazing out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 it's, and I'm not telling you it's yeah. not true. But I'm saying that if the organization being the staff and the leadership thoughtfully engages this in the same way, and here's the, here's the one that nobody's going to like me for, mm-hmm. the same way you keep your workforce mm-hmm. in your job productive by making sure everybody has an engaged piece, then it works. But we don't look at nonprofits that way. We look at nonprofits in bohemian sort of mm-hmm. unique environments, and we don't do that mm-hmm. with them. But we do in our own job, in our That's work. Right. Well, and we it, need to bring that in. And then you also have to have accountability mm-hmm. for that to be successful. So, so where where does accountability sit within the board and within the staff within the university at large? I mean, how do you hold it's volunteers a, it's a team accountable? Effort. It's a team. But yeah, but it. I'm tired of mm-hmm. there are a bunch of volunteers, mm-hmm. so uh, we I, should let them. I, I know be become I, what they call deadwood versus <laughs> exactly doing their that's job. The, that's the mentality. It's what I'm. That's why I'm prodding at it. But that, exactly it's right. the hard. It's the hard part. How do you fire mm-hmm. a volunteer pretty easily? You sit down and you say, "I noticed you haven't shown up to the last six meetings." Yeah. Um, I noticed that you're not engaged on a committee. No, no. I, you don't seem to be having any fun. Um, what can we do? No to make this a better experience for you? Or would you like to come back at a time when it's better for you? And having been a staff person that had to terminate Mm. my own bosses Mm. a couple of times, which is totally inappropriate, Mm. I never ran into one that wasn't glad to go. They felt like they had Mm. a debt of honor and they weren't going to be the one to back down. But when I walked in the door and said, I've noticed that you Mm. haven't been able to come. I know something has changed in your Mm -hmm. life. They have thrown themselves. Yeah on the desk and said thank you so much i really i wanted to help but i can't right now that's good i think the dating analogy holds up there too yes now we're talking about now we've entered in a relationship and hey it just has, hasn't worked out we need to stop this being held hostage um socially emotionally mm-hmm. financially mm-hmm. uh and keeping people who are non-productive mm. because they're not happy and we also need to make a little more effort to be more creative mm about how we engage them. Maybe right. they don't work out well on the board. You know what? Don't serve on the board. How about serve on the committee? Mm-hmm. Help us on this committee. Right. Come back on the board when it's a better time. 
Right. Help us in some other aspect. It's not, uh, we don't have a throwaway society. We shouldn't have a throwaway society mm -hmm. where you either work or you don't work mm -hmm. and you're off. Why don't we try to be a little bit more thoughtful yeah. the same way we are with our work mm -hmm. uh, force in keeping them engaged? So timeline then, so, so think through, we have something like, uh, I can't remember what the exact number is, let's say 15, 12, 15 board positions. Timeline, you start, you start walking through that. What we've painted is a slow, fairly slow, deliberate process because you have strategic initiative, which Trinity may have in place, and then boom, board chapters may each all, you know, the 22 chapters we have may all have their own strategic initiative that fits into that one. That changes every now and then you got to deal with that, whatever. Um, so now you're going out and you're, you're being more deliberate. We're not just having the call to action and, hey, sign on up. So, so what's a realistic expectation then before, let, let's assume that there's a chapter that has a sinking ship, which of course there isn't at Trinity, but if there was one, <laughs> how, how long do you think it would take someone to write that ship? With the right leader, with mm -hmm. the right people, you right. could write the ship in less than a year. Oh, okay. But it, again, it's, it's going to take some courage. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some thoughtful process. And again, I would like to also inject some really crazy idea. It's not about the board of 2020. Mm. It's about the board of 2022. Who are we bringing yeah, on now right. who looks like they will be leadership level mm -hmm. in 2022? Right, right. Who are we beginning to keep our eye on out there and getting them engaged mm -hmm. that can come forward in, uh, in 2022? so that we're not uh, sticking our finger in the dike because it's this year and oh my gosh we've got all this to do the, the whole point is this is a dynamic subject because board governance and board participation has been one of these kind of almost weary discussion mm -hmm. points right. that we've been having in the united states particularly and we haven't really been um, engaging in it from alternate points of view. We're, we, frankly, we're tending to come at it in, in the same point of view that we've been doing for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And it's time to change. Right. I couldn't agree more. Well, good. Well, hopefully we make that change. Well, I'm looking forward to you being uh, on the alumni board. I think this is going to be very well, dynamic, very exciting. I mean, you're on, but in, in a leadership position. I think are, are, you, are you looking forward to my phone call to have more of this conversation? Here it comes. And <laughs> of course I will. Anything for Trinity. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.